0: Why are you finding your place? All right. Church, say amen. Get your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number 15 real quickly. Remain standing for just a moment. John chapter number 15. I'm glad that one day the devil's going to bow. Muhammad is going to bow. Listen, uh, Madeline Murray O'Hara is going to bow. They're all going to bow and say, he's Lord, he's Lord, he's Lord. Every knee. God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen. John chapter number 15. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. John 15 in verse number 1. Are you glad to be saved? Say amen. I, I felt like I was going to preach a long time today, so I brought me a snack. Amen. I'm just kidding. John 15 and verse number one. When you find your place, say amen. Amen. It says, I am the true vine. Now, what color is your writing? What does that mean? Jesus is speaking. He he is addressing the disciples. Uh, He is letting them know something very important in their life and something we need to know. Uh, This is vital, vital information. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit. How many of the branches? Every. every one. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. That it, How many of them branches? Every. every one. Every one. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do what? Not a thing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my word... Does that word keep coming up? If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein read this last verse with me verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Say it again real out. Herein is my Father glorified. So shall ye be my disciples. Dear heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your love. Thank you for everything you've done for us. We do not deserve the goodness of God, but we're so grateful for it. God, I pray right now that you'll speak to our hearts. We are here to learn. We are here to grow. We're here to glean from your word. And God, I pray nobody will leave disappointed. I pray everybody will be uh, 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 in a place where they hear the truth. Lord, where they hear exactly what they stand in need of today. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We are continuing. This is the last message on the series, Living Life Abundantly. Living life abundantly. The first message we preached two weeks ago was having abundant joy. Have an abundant joy. Uh, the Bible says clearly that we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God wants you to have a great life. God wants you to experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. But then last week we talked about having abundant peace. Say that with me. Abundant peace. Abundant peace. God doesn't want you tore up all the time. God doesn't want you to have to take a volume every other day. God doesn't want you in a place where you're scared and fearful. God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. It says this, be careful or don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. You can't even explain it. There's no definition for it. You don't even know why it works like it works. The peace that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We can have abundant peace. We can have abundant joy. But today I want to talk about abundant fruitfulness. Abundant fruitfulness. Being abundantly productive in our life. If you'll look up the word fruitful in your Webster's Dictionary, it means simply, abundantly productive. Say that with me. Abundantly productive. I want to be productive in whatever I do. I want to, I, 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 you know, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning and says, boy, I hope I can be a loser today. Boy, I just hope I can find something that I can fail at today. Nobody says that. If you do, you, you got bigger, you're, you're crippled too high for crutches. Say amen. Nobody says that. Everybody wants to be a success. Everybody wants to be productive in their life, no matter what they do, no matter whether they're an electrician, no matter whether they're a painter, no matter whether they're a a, a pastor. It doesn't matter what you are. You want to be productive in your life. And you know what? God wants you to be that way too. Oh, here it is, that prosperity preaching. Watch this, watch this. In Deuteronomy 29, verse 9, it says, Keep, therefore, the words of this covenant, and do them, that ye may prosper in all that ye do. You know what he told Joshua when they were going into the promised land? He said, turn not from the word, not from the, the law, not from the right or the left. Don't, don't, don't you stay in that word that thy might be prosperous and whithersoever thou goest or whatever you do that you may prosper. God wants you to be productive in your life. What about Psalms chapter 1? Psalms chapter 1. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And watch this. And whatsoever, say that with me. And. Isn't that cool? Whatever you do, whatever it is that, that you have found in your life, whatever career that you have, God wants to bless you and you be productive in whatever you do. But with anything, there are laws and principles that we must abide by. Would you say amen right there? There are principles that we need to follow. There's principles we need to understand. And God gives them here in John chapter number 15. He is walking along with his disciples before his crucifixion. And it's amazing. Uh, when, when, when older people or whoever it is are on their deathbed, they don't talk about uh, frivolous things. They talk about what's most important. I've never heard anybody on their deathbed say, Boy, I wish I could spend a, uh, spend a few more hours at the office. Oh, I wish I could just... No, they talk about their family. They talk about their children. They talk about what's most important to them in their life. And Jesus was doing the same thing. He was fixing to be crucified. He was fixing to be arrested. And, and now he's having last moments and last hours with his disciples. And he begins to address them with something that's vitally important to them. He said, look, I believe with all my heart he was passing a vineyard. As he's always using picture illustrations. I believe he said, look at, th- look at this, guys. Look, I am the the vine. Now you are the branches. And he begins to use this picture illustration so they can understand a true principle. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you shall bear much fruit. You're going to be productive in your life. You're going to be successful in your life. You're going to be prosperous in your life. If you abide in me. Then he says this. He said, my father is the husbandman. He said, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. Say that with me. Beareth not fruit. He taketh away. He take it away. Now that doesn't mean he throws it away or cuts it away. If you'll look up that phrase, if you'll look up that phrase in your concordance, it means literally to lift up. It means to lift up. We see number one, what's the first principle in prosperity? What's the first principle in being productive in your life? The very first principle is this there is a, or number one, a cleansing or clearing principle. A cleansing principle. What the what the, the vineyard owner would do is he was walking as he was walking through the vineyard, he would see vines that grew low to the ground. And growing low to the ground, especially the newer vines, they have a tendency to do that. And, and as they would grow low to the ground, dirt would come upon them leaves. It would rain, it would, it would get muddy, and those bottom, those bottom leaves would get dirty. And when they got dirty, they got mildewed. And when they got mildew, they got sick. And when you're sick, you can't produce fruit. So what did he say? there's some branches, there's some branches that don't produce fruit. That's your empty basket. Some of you as Christians right now today, you have no fruit in your basket. You are not being productive in your life. You're not being what you want. You're not even feeling what you want. You're not feeling satisfaction. You're not feeling joy. You're not feeling happiness. You're wondering why I go to work every day. It seems like I work hard every day and the harder I work, the less I have, the less I experience, the less. Are y'all with me? Wonder what in the world is going on. I love God. I go to church. I pay my tithe. But what is happening in my life? Well, those low low growing branches get dirt on them, which is a type of this. Sometimes we get the world on us, don't we? We get in the world and things take place and sin, sin gets in our life. Sin comes and you got to understand God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. First John chapter number 1. We can't walk with him with sin in our life. If I regard sin in my heart, God will not hear me. There is something we have to understand. We are not just living our life like we want to live. When you trust Christ as your Savior and you repent of your sins and you come to God for salvation, then later on you can't just live any way you want to live. Some people think because of eternal security, well, I've got my ticket. I'm okay. I can just go do whatever I want to do. Honey, I got news for you. That dog ain't going to hunt. It won't work. Number one, you won't produce any fruit. If you don't see fruit in your life, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied. And then more importantly, God ain't going to let you stay that way. The vineyard on your nose, you're, you're, you're way too important to leave you on your own. Most people think that I trust Christ, I get saved, then I put it on cruise control. Then I can just be what I want to be. God won't bother me. He's got too much to do. Oh, you are what he has to do. Amen. You are his business. So what does the, what does the, the vineyard owner, he, he'll take a bucket of water and he'll come and he'll see those that are growing, growing low to the ground and they get dirt on them. And, and that's usually a sign of the, the baby Christian. The Christian had not been saved very long. And he'll take water and he'll go to, he'll go to cleaning them up. He'll go to cleaning them up. He'll go taking, taking, taking water and, and washing them and, and getting them clean. And then he'll take them and, and put them up here and tie them up so they won't be down here anymore. You say, what's the point of that? Look at two things real quickly under, underneath this, this principle. A, the purpose of cleansing. We get dirty. We get dirty. When we get sin in life, we cannot produce fruit. We cannot do what we need to do. We cannot have what we need to have. We cannot produce fruit. Then be not only the purpose of cleansing, but B, watch this, the process of cleansing. The process of cleansing. Watch, watch what the Bible says. Watch what the Bible says in verse number, verse number 2. Every branch in me that beareth not, he taketh away, or he lifteth up. And every branch that beareth fruit, he, pur- he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, verse 3 is very important. Now ye are clean, Brother Scott, I need you to turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, abide in, or excuse me, verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So how does, how does God clean us up? How does God clean us up? He takes a process. He takes a process to clean us up. And by the way, every branch goes through the process. Everyone. one. God does not leave any of them out. Everyone goes through this. Brother Scott, have you found this in the New Testament, son? All right, amen. See what you're reading. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number one. one or three. Just One. All right. What did he say we're to we're to lay down? Besetting every weight and the sin was just so easily beset us. Now, keep on saying it, son. He won't say that. All right. Now watch watch verse number five. Four. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Keep on. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth, dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye but if ye be without chastisement, wherefore are you partakers of ye bastards and not sons? Alright, now that's not a cuss word. That means illegitimate. That means illegitimate. In other words, if you say that you're saved, if you say that you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you belong to him, and you can can get out and live in sin and practice sin, and God don't deal with you, you don't belong to him. When I I was growing up and I, I got ignorant, my dad corrected me on a regular basis, sometimes just for practice. Amen. I mean, he corrected me because he wanted me to live right. God is the same way. God loves you so much, if you get away from him, he's going to correct you. Amen. Now, in this, this area of cleansing, when we get sin in our life, there's three, there's three stages of this. There's three stages. First is a mild rebuke. This that mild rebu- How many of y'all know when, 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 when something takes place in your life and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and says, Hey, watch it. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe, maybe you said something to your neighbor or you said something to a family member and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost made you feel like a low-down dog because of what you just said or maybe what you just thought. The Holy Spirit will come and a mild rebuke, and a mild rebuke will get your attention. How many times have you been sitting in this auditorium and I'll be preaching on something and have no idea what you have in your life or you're experiencing in your life, but I'll just be preaching on a subject and God slam your heart with a rebuke from his word. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? God will clean you up. He will use his word through the preaching of the word, through the reading of the word, through the teaching of the word. God will use his word to clean you up. Not because he hates you, not because he's mad at you, but because he wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to experience life, and he knows as long as you're growing too low to the ground, you're not going to bear fruit, you're not going to have joy, you're not going to have peace, and you're not going to have life more abundantly. Say amen. But there's one more part of that that you need to understand. Listen, when he cleans them up, he picks them up and ties them up to the ones that's growing high. What's the point of that? You might need to change the crowd you're running with. Hello? Hello? You need to be tied in with people that want what you want. You need to be tied in with people that are serving like you're serving. You need to be tied in with people that are thinking like you're thinking. I need a witness right there. When God cleans you up, you don't need to go back out to them dirty. Listen, in that dirty lifestyle, you don't need to go back out in that dirty place. You need to stay where God can keep you clean. Listen, a mild rebuke God will use. But not only that, it says in, in in that same chapter, we talk about not only a rebuke, A verbal warning, but a chastening. A chastening, which means to discipline or to punish. Now this is a little more severe form of discipline than the first. It involves emotional anxiety. It involves frustration or distress. Pressures increase at work, at home, in your health or finances. Many Christians go along in their Christian life in this level of discipline. They feel unfulfilled at church, critical all the time. Kind of on the outs with God. And when they pick up their Bible, it feels like a lead weight. And they can't seem to figure out why. It might be God's trying to get your attention. I don't know why my kids are getting crazy on me. I don't know. It's just all of a sudden getting worse at work. I don't know what's going on. Are you sure? Could it be that that mild rebuke didn't work? Could it be that when God tried to speak to you in a still, small voice, you didn't listen, so God had to turn up the volume a little bit? He goes from a mild rebuke to chastening, but then it gets worse. You see, God's not going to stop. God's not going to quit. God's not going to just, well, he's not going to give up. He's going to do whatever it takes to get your attention. It goes from a rebuke to chastening to scourging, to scourging in verse number six. The word scourge means to flog. In this level of discipline, you are living in open sin and flagrant defiance of what you know is right. You have not responded to the Lord's attempts to get your attention. And because of this, he must resort to inflicting pain to get the result. God takes long-term sin very seriously. The the consequences are more drastic than most Christians realize. Paul said that unconfessed sin and unrepented sin in the Corinthian church had caused some of the members to get sick, weak, and even to die. I don't know about you, but I have had that chastening hand on me before. I told y'all, I told y'all when I, my first, my first uh, semester in college, I, I come home, I was homesick, I wasn't going back. I said, uh, 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 I ain't going back. That, I was. I, I got all I need, I don't need none of that. And, and other people tried to encourage me. See that mild rebuke? My, my, the Lord tried to use my parents to encourage me and, to, and to, to get my attention. That didn't work. God used other things, frustrations at work and everything. That didn't work. Well, one day we was, and some of y'all have heard this, but just act like you never heard it, amen, some of you ain't, but I was at a baseball practice and, and uh, come back from college and, and a bunch of my friends and my cousin, uh, uh, there was a, a baseball league starting that was for, for kids right out of high school, and so we went and, and joined up and we was playing and, and we were hitting fly balls right before practice started and they hit me one and I was running with all I could run. I mean, as hard as I could go, I was running wide open. I jumped and caught the ball and as soon as I turned around, I kissed a chain link fence wide open. I hit the ground, I had blood running everywhere. I mean it cut my face all two pieces. And the first thing I thought of when I looked up through that bloody eyes up to the sky, I said, Boy, if I'd have been where I was supposed to be, this wouldn't have never happened. Two weeks later, I was northbound on I ninety five. Say amen. I know I don't look bright, but I'm smarter than your average bear. Amen. God will get your attention. And he'll do whatever it takes. Why? Because you don't need to walk around with an empty basket. God wants to clean you up. God wants to get you to a place where you can bear fruit. God wants you to get to a place where you can enjoy life and have peace and joy and happiness, satisfaction. Enjoy being what God intended you to be. Church, say amen. So we see there's a a cleansing principle. Maybe maybe God's got his old-fashioned sponge working on you anybody ever have a mama who, who would take a wash rag and fold it over her finger and stick it down to the third knuckle into your ear? Anybody have a mama like that? And then tell you, be still, be still. Fingernail come out this side, amen? Trying to get you clean. You know, sometimes, sometimes it hurts when God's washing on you, don't it? Some of them things God's telling you to quit, you don't want to quit. But I tell you what. It'll just hurt worse if you fight back. God loves you. God loves you. Church, say amen. amen. Listen, there's the cleansing principle. Maybe you're, maybe you're there, but you've got a little fruit in your basket. The Bible says they that bear fruit, they that bear fruit, he will purge. That they may bear more fruit. You see, God's not satisfied with just a little bit. So the second principle, what was the first principle? Cleansing principle. Cleansing principle. Second principle is this. It's the cutting principle. I would say, I would say the majority of folks in here is at this stage. The cutting principle. You see, there is there's two things I want you to write down and then just sit and listen just a minute. There is precise cutting. God doesn't ever cut just for the sake of cutting. Do you understand that? Because if God asks to take something out of your life, he has a reason and a purpose for it. If God demands something from you, there is a good reason why he is doing that. God may remove a person out of your life. God may, re- listen, he may remove a pattern out of your life or a, a, a project that you have or a, 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 something that, that's real dear to you and you think, well, what is God doing? God has a precise reason for what he does. It is precise, precision cutting. Then B, it's productive cutting. Productive cutting. Write that down and then just listen for just a second. Because of the grapes' tendency to grow so vigorously, I mean, these, these leaves, all of this stuff right here, all of this stuff right here grows so fast. I mean, it grows so vigorously that a lot of wood must be cut away every year. Grapevines can become so dense that the sun cannot reach into the area where fruit should form. Isn't that something? Maybe we're so busy and so caught up in our lives, we got so much going on in our lives that the Son of God can't reach the areas He needs to reach so you can bear more fruit. Well, for the Christian, rampant growth represents all those preoccupations and priorities in our lives that while maybe not wrong, they are keeping us from the more significant ministry for God. There are four particular areas of pruning that we need to see. Listen, pruning removes growth that is dead or dying. You know what? The most dangerous thing for a church ever to do or be is not cut something that's dead. If it ain't working, quit. I have no problem doing something different. If the horse is dead, take the saddle off and wrestle one that's alive. Amen. Well, we ain't never done it that way. Famous last words of a church. A church is steady gonna die if you're not willing to cut something that's dead. You have things in your life that's not producing. You have things in your life that's not putting you in a place where you need to be and God wants to cut them out. I remember when I went to Bible college, I, I worked for a guy that was from up north. Help us, Jesus. He he had this this mentality that he was always in the teaching mode i mean he was always wanting to show you how smart he was and you know for southern people that that don't work amen and and he wanted to show it well we were when i first moved up there we was trimming crepe myrtles we was you know pruning all those and i hate crepe myrtles to this day amen anyhow we was cutting them back and all them little old bitty if you've ever seen a crepe myrtle when it comes time to prune there's little bitty twigs sticking out of that all the way up i mean just thousands of them all the way up them branches well he had to have it cut a certain way every thick branch had to be cut at a certain angle because if you don't cut it a certain angle it won't grow right and blah 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 he wanted you to snip off every little every little one of them things i want to just take a glove and just grab it and say and go right down it amen that wouldn't fly with him he had to be just precise. I said, man, why, why do we have to cut all this little stuff like this? He said, well, I'm glad you, and here we go, professor. He goes into that teaching mode. He said, well, when the nutrients in the sap and all of the minerals come up the main vein, all of those little twigs take away before it gets to the place where the blooms are or where the And with all of those little twigs on there, if you cut all of them out, all of the nutrients, all of the minerals, everything that's important, and it will make the blooms and the fruit twice as good as what it would be naturally. I thought, hmm, you know what? There's so many of us in here who has got so many twigs in our life, including me, that God has to... cutting hurts by the way this week i hate to admit this but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be real thursday evening i got home from uh from church and and she's usually always late when i get home and and uh and i walked in and said something to jordan and and uh she texted something to somebody and and uh and i had to borrow a phone because mine went dead and and I looked at it and I seen what she said. She said, wow, my daddy talked to me for the first time this week. I got mad. What are you talking about? I come in there in the living room. What do you mean by this? What are you talking? She said, well, it's true. I started thinking, money to me. Then I tried to justify it. Well, I'm working to put a roof over your head, clothes on your back. Don't you see what I'm, 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 Tuesday, I was preaching in Tennessee. Or Monday, I was preaching in Tennessee. Tuesday, I was in a small group, and had a problem in that small group. So by the time I got home both nights, they was asleep. And then Wednesday, I had church, and then staff meeting went kind of long. And and, uh, had to, and by the time that they was in bed, and, 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 and I walked in my room, and God said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Is that really what you're going to go with? And man, I come back. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know what happened? I got way too many twigs in the, in, in the line. And God used one text message to hurt me to the bone. You know what, you couldn't, Brother Donnie, you couldn't have walked up to me and slapped me in the jaws and hurt no worse than what I hurt. I'm telling you, it liked to kill me. You know what God is saying? Slow down. All those things are good things, and they are. Every, everything I did, I wasn't out in sin, I wasn't round, running around with a woman, I wasn't out getting drunk or drugged up i had a bunch of too many good things in my life that was keeping me from the best thing and see the pruning section is not about sin it's about self and see we try to we try to justify it in our life well it makes us important it well i had to do that no i like doing that i enjoy preaching out i enjoy the ministry i enjoy these things but you know what those are not most important God is saying, are y'all with me? Now watch this. God will come to places that you just can't even imagine. He'll make sure light gets to the fruit bearing branches. He wants to encourage new fruit to develop. God will use pruning to get those things that even though they may not be bad, they may just not be the best things for our life. He will make us adjust our priorities to his in order that we may be more fruitful for him. His purpose is for you to cut away immature commitments and lesser priorities to make room for even greater abundance in the Christian life. Watch this right here. Does Jesus have to make room for himself in your life? If this is the case, then you had better get ready for some pruning. Jesus will never settle for second place in anybody's life. Church, amen wow sometimes god will ask you to give up things that's very important to you sometimes god will come in and he'll go to cutting so how do i know how do i know where god's pruning well where does it hurt sometimes we get so stuck in the past that we want things like it always used to be well that's the only one problem that the world is constantly changing And if your church and you as Christians don't learn to adjust with it, not change the message, the message in God's word will never change. But if you don't change your method, you're going to be in trouble. And sometimes God wants to cut some traditions out of your life. Sometimes God wants to cut some habits out of your life. Sometimes God wants to cut some comfort places out of your life. So you will find new fruit. I don't know what it is about the word new. It has completely been evil, uh, demonized in the Baptist church today. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Jesus said, I will give you a new song. There's nothing wrong with something new if it's not anti-Bible. Say amen. amen. Maybe God wants to cut something that's dead. It's not working. Hello, You know what the sad part and the scary part is? This sometimes feels just like this. Both of them are painful. Both of them come into your life and you see what in the world is God doing? How do I know whether God has disciplined me for sin or God is pruning me? How do I know the difference? Because pruning is similar to discipline, it can be confused as such which is very dangerous because after we have confessed every sin we know and the pain continues, we start to get angry and blame God and begin not to trust Him because the things that are happening to us, we think it's because we have done something wrong when in reality we've done something right. It is possible to distinguish from discipline and pruning. Ask yourself these questions and realize that God would never discipline one of His children without letting them know why. Man, that's that's a great saying. God would never discipline you without letting you know why. God has never got my attention without me knowing why he was getting my attention. God has never come to me with a mild rebuke. God has never come to me, listen, with a scourging or or with a chastening without me knowing exactly why he's getting my attention. If you have confessed everything, say this, pray this, do I have a sin in my life that's causing you to discipline me? Number two, pray, Lord, if you do not show me within a week from today that it is disciplined, then I will take by faith that it is pruning. If you conclude that you are being disciplined, then sin is the problem. That's easy. That's an easy fix. Repent and turn around. If you see that you're being pruned, ask God to show you clearly what he wants you to let go of and trust him enough to release it completely to him. God, am I doing anything I'm not supposed to do? He will tell you. And if he tells you, make it right. If, he, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to Amen. cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know it might be God's wanting to prune you. There's, there's a man by the name of Jimmy Franks. Brother Jimmy Franks, probably one of the best preachers I've ever been around. I mean, he's the classiest guy you'd ever see. He, he, he built a large church in Orlando, Florida, Kissimmee, Florida, uh, uh, Lock Haven Baptist Church where's dad at dad is he not one of the best I mean just one of the best greatest one of the greatest preachers I've ever known built this huge church just built a brand new house I mean a brand new house and when you're poor and grow up poor like I did uh, and you got, you got a, a see through fireplace where you can be on one end and see through it until the other end and build a fire in between I need a witness right there amen you are moving on up We had just got through with that house, and everything seemed to be going the right way, and God says, I need you to go on the mission field. To what? I need you to resign Lockhaven, and I got another plan for you. Well, he did what God told him to do. Resigned that big old church, sold that big old house. He had to help his wife with that a little bit, Amen. And started hope for the world. Hope for the world. Building orphanages and feeding centers for little children. Churches starting and 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 pioneering churches all over Romania, Albania, India. Now, his ministry is so large. He has he takes and uses one 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 day out of the year there in Orlando in that big, the big whatever Coliseum thing there or the convention center there where all the, the, the ministers is under him and underneath him and they come together and his, his ministry is worldwide. Now, you know how it got that way? One day in his life, God came to him and said, Son, you're bearing fruit. You're bearing fruit right there in Orlando. You're doing a good job and, and everything, but, but I see some bigger stuff. So he had to cut away a ministry. I'm talking about a ministry that was dear to his heart, that was important to him, so that God can bring him to a place of superabundance. You know what? We go go through the valley of the shadow of death, don't we? Before the valley of the shadow of death, the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not not want. That means I'm going to have just enough. And some of you are right there. You're in that place of just enough. You're just getting by. You're you're listen, it's it's going okay, but you're paying the bills and everything's fine. You're just getting by. You are God is meeting my need. But you know what? God wants you to the place on the other side of the valley. On the other side of the valley, the shadow of death. He wants you to a place where your cup is running over. And listen, in that place is a place of more than enough. That place is a place of abundance. That place is a place where you don't even, you just not have enough for you, but you got enough for others around you. Are y'all with me? Yeah. But you can't get to that place without the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. Sometimes we got to die to self. In this basket, there's a sin problem. In this basket, there's a self problem say that with me there's a we gotta we gotta do like jesus lord not my will but thine be done some of y'all are still sitting right there and you're frustrated you're frustrated because god has been making changes around this place and you fought them tooth and nail you won't get with it for nothing you've got your opinion you've got your desire you've got your want and god's been trying to But you think the staff is the enemy. When God's trying to say, look, what's happening? Open your eyes. Look at the people. People getting saved every week. Church larger than it's ever been ever. But it didn't didn't come without a little bit of this. God had to come in my life and do this before I could ever show the staff what God was showing me. Are you all with me? All right, last of all, how many of y'all want to be here? In your life, in your area. Well, here we have the, what's number one? There is the cleansing principle. Say that with me. There is the, then, then the second principle that we need to see, there is the cutting principle. All right? Say, so what are you going to pull out for this one? Nothing. Nothing. This is the communion principle principle communion what does that mean it means a closeness it means a a close intimate relationship you say what why aren't you going to pull out a tool to use here because you need to understand something in the first stage God is initiating the action in the second stage God is initiating the action in the first stage God will clean you up In the second stage, God will cut things out of your life. He will take the initiative to purge you and to get things out of your life that don't need to be there. But in the third, God asks you to take the initiative. He said, if any man abide in me, he will bear much fruit. Are you all with me? Say, I want to be there. Well, this don't come easy. This doesn't come automatically. This doesn't come naturally. This is a stage that's left up to us. Look what it says in look what it says in verse number. Let me get back over here. Verse number two. It says, Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Watch this. Abide in me, stay with me, walk with me, talk with me, fellowship with me, commune with me abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me what is the reason what is the reason for communion why is communion so important to bearing fruit why is it so important with the vine and the branch the fruit comes from the branch but the life comes from the vine the more life-giving sap that the branch receives the more fruit that it is able to produce the only thing, now watch this, the only thing determining the amount of sap the branch receives is the size of the connection between the vine and the branch. Y'all with me? In John 15, uh, within six verses, Jesus uses the word abiding ten times. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples that their ongoing vital connection with him is what will determine the amount of his supernatural power that will be at work in their lives this section over here you cannot work it up you cannot do it on your own you cannot you you cannot conjure it up you cannot produce it this is not something that you can work harder and get do you understand that it's not something that you can put more hours in and receive well i'm just going to work 70 hours instead of 50 hours well i'm going to put in more i'm going to read more books i'm it don't work that way that's not where it's at that's not where it's at he said just abide with me Martha is over here working and working and working, cumbered about with much serving, trying to make the Lord happy, trying to do this and trying to do that, trying to please the Lord in her actions and her activity. And all she's getting is frustrated. But you see, Mary, Mary is sitting at his feet, hearing his word. Mary is there communing with the Lord. Mary is there listening to him and having close fellowship with him. And boy, is she blessed in the process. Martha's working hard as she can work. She's doing everything she knows to do, but all she's getting is frustrated and critical. It's amazing to me that people that serve in their own ability in the church, all they can be is critical about what somebody else is doing. I don't know why somebody else don't come help us do this. Don't worry about that. If you're doing it because somebody else won't do it, you're doing it for the wrong reason anyhow. I'm here whether somebody's here or not. I'm going to be here if somebody's here or not. I like doing what I do. I do what I do for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what nobody else is doing. And here we are, Jesus. What does he say in the last chapter of Revelation, excuse me, the last verse of Revelation chapter number three? He said, I stand at the door and knock to the Laodicean church. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my calling, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. What does that mean? It means communion. It means close, intimate fellowship. It means the closer that we get to God, the more productive we're going to be in our life. I need some proof. Okay. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember a story of a uh, of a man by the name of Boaz and a woman by the name of Ruth? Y'all remember? The Bible says that when all that happened and she come back to town, she come back with, with Naomi, uh, She said, I'm going to go out in the field and glean. Because see, in that day, they would leave the corners of the field and they would leave spots left for the poor people. So they could come and try to glean a little bit to survive and and so they could make it. Well, she went out there and the Bible says she worked all day long. I mean all day long. from, From morning till night. And she gleaned about half a bushel. About half a bushel. I mean, she worked hard. She was doing it in her own ability. She was working hard for what she was doing. But she did it in her own ability. Half a bushel. But as you know, the, the chapters come that where she begins, to, she begins to get sweet on old Boaz. And Boaz gets sweet on her. And Boaz is a type of the kinsman redeemer, which is a type of Jesus Christ. And there comes a time when she comes and sits at Boaz's feet. And lays herself before his feet and says, I want to be yours and I want you to be mine. She is asking for a more close and intimate relationship with her kinsman redeemer. And the Bible says that Boaz said, get your veil and open it up. And she took her veil and opened it up. And it says he laid it on her. Gave her two to three whole bushels, not a half, where you work all day long. But when she just came and sat at his feet for a more intimate relationship, he laid it on her. I need a witness. I don't want to go and work it up and work it up and work it up and nothing happen. Work harder and harder and harder and see less happen. Jesus is saying this, if you'll just let me do it, if you'll just come and walk with me and talk with me and fellowship with me and have a close, intimate relationship with me, I'll lay it on you. I need a witness. We are so frustrated with our ministries. We're so frustrated with our daily lives. We're frustrated on the job because we're trying to do it ourselves. When Jesus has said, just come and talk to me and I'll do it for you. For without me, you can do nothing. The fruit's going to come from me, guys. The productivity's going to come from me. You can put the corn in the ground, but you can't make it come up. Only God gives the increase. Are you tired of being frustrated? Are you ready to see the results of walking with Him and having a close, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? It's not going to come in your own effort. It's not going to come by doing OT. It's going to come by getting in your Bible and reading about Him. It's going to come by getting in your closet. And talking to Him. It's going to come by fellowshipping and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Productivity. This kind of abundance. This kind of abundance right here. Only comes from communion. From the time you spend with God. You say, oh, that's, that's too much work. Well, you going to settle for this when you can have this you really think God wants me to have that are you kidding me what does the Bible say herein is my father glorified that ye bear much when God does this for you it makes him look good (laughs) are you kidding this has the tornado just throw cobwebs in your brain? Come on now, get with me. When God blesses you and God prospers you, what are you going to do? You're going to give him the credit. Amen. And he gets the glory. You were created to bring glory to him. Church, say amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for, Lord, what you've done in this place. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Lord, there's a lot to swallow today. Lord, is